Ground ball back up the middle. Altuve backhands on the VR. They get the double play. 4-6-3. Hello and welcome to the 463 Podcast. I'm your host, Jory Negan Schechter. Thrilled as always to be joined by Zach Warden and Jake Brandon. Major League Baseball has seen the most important dates on its calendar pass now with the deadline in the rear view mirror. So with several teams looking different heading into what is going to be the stretch run, we want to discuss if we are buying or selling on some of the teams in the mushy middle. Call it the stock market episode, if you will. So, Jake, Zach, pleasure as always to be joined by you. Let's hop right into things with the Philadelphia Phillies, who are screaming hot at the moment. They have won nine of their last ten games. Jake, are you buying or selling what the Philadelphia Phillies are putting down? Yeah, I'm buying. They look they look awesome. They made some decent deadline acquisitions, nothing crazy. Syndergaard adds to their rotation depth, but... At the top of that rotation, you look at Aaron Nola, you look at Zach Wheeler, both Cy Young candidates. Uh, they just got Gene Segura back, another piece that helps their depth, makes the lineup a bit deeper. So yeah, like overall, I'm buying them. Uh, the division is just really stacked, honestly, which is kind of unfortunate for them. But I, I think they can they can potentially, yeah, like they're in a wild card position right now, and I, I think they could hold on to that. Well, I mean, the Phillies obviously have dealt with some really significant injuries. Bryce Harper, of course, comes to mind. And despite that, this recent stretch has been remarkable for them in in a lot of respects. Zach, I want to ask you, because obviously that that two-headed monster of Nola and Wheeler at the top of the rotation is is the most eye-catching thing, but do you think it's the pitching or the hitting that's responsible for this unbelievable stretch right now? You know, I'm going to take it a different way. I think it's the defense. The defense is super improved recently. You know, it's kind of was their uh, Achilles heel at the beginning of the season. So they've kind of figured out a way to make it work with a bunch of poor defenders on their roster, uh, specifically like some turnarounds from them from guys like Alec Bohm, who's been really good both defensively and offensively since uh, July 1st. He has a 174 WRC plus. He's hitting 380, 570 slug. He's been a big part of their turnaround, I think, and that's on both sides of the ball. Well, I mean, the fact that Boma has taken this huge step, I'm sure, is enormous for them. And they've got other guys as well, Jake, that have really stepped up for them, right? Yeah, I mean, another big addition is obviously Brandon Marsh at the deadline. That's a guy that they desperately needed in center field, a really good defender, doesn't bring much offensively. But they, like, like Zach mentioned, that's kind of been the Achilles heel for the Phillies, just a poor defensive club. Nick Castellanos notoriously just has been like the worst defender in the league, but... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, getting Segura back, another good defender, Martian center. So that's kind of the route that the Yankees went this year as well. They've been trying to improve their defense, counter at short. They pick up Harrison Bader, who obviously hasn't played yet, but that's kind of the idea. These teams are buying a lot more into these advanced defensive metrics, really seeing how much value that plays into their team as a whole, and it's paying dividends, obviously. It's interesting because there's a lot of discussion about the value ultimately of you know something like outs above average and and Zach I know you and I have discussed this kind of at length we uh, we mentioned that uh, Mike Petriello article that that was uh, put out yesterday discussing some teams that have seen their infield defense really dramatically improve do you think that this investment into defense specifically is something 
the teams undervalue or is there something more to the question? Yeah, I think they, I don't know, overall, like Jake kind of mentioned, like it's kind of been a shift where we've seen a lot more value put on it. I think we see that with maybe the the dead ball or whatever you want to call it kind of affecting the way that the season has gone and teams kind of investing more in high average, like put the ball in play guys instead of just the, the mashers who are going to strike out walk or, or hit a bomb. And then going back to the Phillies a little more, because I do want to kind of get a definitive take here. Jake, are you buying or selling on them? Yeah, I'm definitely buying. I know Zach notoriously really loves the Phillies as well, but I'm on board. I, I like the I like their roster. I like the moves that they made at the deadline. They made like they added David Robertson as well on the pen. He's he's closing ball games for them. So yeah, I like I like the direction they're going. They fired Girardi at the start of the year. It wasn't looking great, but a, a huge turnaround for them. And Zach, where are you at with the Phillies? Uh, you know I'm buying. <laughs> <laughs> Noted Phillies fan. I own all the Philly stock right now, so you guys are going to have to pay me a big price for it. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> okay, let's move right along here to our second team. That would be the Chicago White Sox. And the White Sox as well, another team in that mushy middle. And Dylan Cease, I think, is the guy that is the most eye-catching of anyone kind of on their squad. He's having a remarkable season by basically any, any stretch of the imagination. I think... We should take some time and maybe chat about him a little bit because of how awesome he's been. Do you guys think he's maybe in that Cy Young conversation? He's, he's got to be for sure. Like, I mean, he has uh, one of the lowest ERAs. It's sub two right now. Um, you know, like a, a super high K rate, uh, also a high walk rate. But, I mean, it hasn't really affected him that much so far this year. He's kind of been a huge reason why they have been as successful as they, I mean, they obviously haven't had a successful season for what they are expecting. But... I think he's done a great job of keeping them afloat. And yeah, I, I could see him winning the Cy Young if he kind of keeps it up. I'm not sure what the Astros are going to do with Verlander's innings, how the Jays are going to handle Gossman and Manoa down the stretch, and if they kind of keep it up. But I, I think he's probably the most consistent, like without question marks, going forward the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I think Zach hit the nail on the head there. If you have a sub two ERA at this point in the year, you obviously have to be in the Cy Young conversation. He does walk a ton of guys, but he also strikes out a ton of guys. The expected stats are looking low threes. So, like, a little bit of a regression is probably due. But overall, yeah, like like Zach said, he's helped keep them afloat, which is which has been huge. And I think I think they're they're not out of it yet. I think they still got a shot. The, a lot of teams in the AL are kind of kind of scuffling as of late, so they could take advantage of that. Well, on that note, a lot of teams are scuffling, but, I mean, in a lot of respects, the, the White Sox themselves, they're just kind of not playing up to the expectations. They're right around that 500 mark. It's interesting if they even are going to be a team that ultimately is able to make a push. Now, obviously, the Central is such a you know tire fire as it is that they might just make it because the competition is so weak for them. But I, I don't know how much I buy the White Sox outside of that. Dylan sees outstanding season that we're seeing at the moment. Yeah, I think in terms of the buy or sell, like it's it's a really tough conversation because they're a game and a half back, right? Do I do I buy them as contenders that they probably should be? No. Do I buy them as a team that probably ends up winning their division? I'd I'd say yes. I think they're better than the Twins and the Guardians. I think that they, you know, they have all the talent in the world. They just haven't really been able to put it together and you know, we've seen that, I guess, two years in a row now. Like last year, their regular season was great, but they weren't that team in the playoffs. And this year, it's it's just, you know, they've been 
uh, hampered with all their injuries. They've been underperforming. But, like, I mean, when you look at them all individually, they're having good seasons. So the question is, like, really, how can they improve as a group and catch the Twins or well, Guardians? Well, I mean, if you're underperforming in back-to-back seasons at a certain point, you have to maybe shift expectations. But it's... Or, I mean, there's, there's a pretty easy solution, but I, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if we want to get into that. Well, uh, I mean, you know, the... Uh... The leadership there maybe um, maybe not the most popular of uh, of managers in the major leagues, but but I mean it's questionable that they are the best team in the central, like you said. I mean the Twins are really good. the The Guardians have hung around. I mean they were basically selling this offseason with the expectation that they would be towards the bottom of the standings and. They've had a really nice season, all things considered. So I don't know if they're necessarily the, the best team in that division. Are they, Jake? Uh, well, yeah, it's it's interesting. The Guardians are actually leading the division now. I don't think they actually sold any pieces at the deadline. I know they were definitely rumored to. Plesak was on the block. But, yeah, I think they ended up holding put for the most part. Um, I think it's really close. I think it's really close between the White Sox and Twins if you just look at their roster. Obviously, the Twins have that leg up in the standings right now by a little bit, by a couple games. Um, yeah, if, if you look at the White Sox overall, they just have a lot of pitchers that have been underperforming. Lucas Giolito's probably been the biggest letdown this season with a 4.91 ERA. There's been some bad luck there, but he also hasn't looked like himself. So, yeah, if if guys like that can can turn it around and, and pitch like themselves, they definitely have a shot, and that the the that division is is wide open at this point. Yeah, that pitching staff is so fascinating to me. I mean, Dylan Cease aside, you've got Giolito who's really underperforming, Michael Kopech who, you know, his ERA is fine, but the under the hood numbers are not so pretty. You've got Johnny Cueto who's having a nice season and Lance Lynn who's basically turned into a pumpkin. <laughs> so it's so it's such a a bizarre group because they were supposed to be such a fantastic team and and just have not have not been that. Yeah, definitely a bizarre group. Lance Lynn's one that I've just never been able to figure out. He's a guy that's always really overperformed his expected stats the last few years. So I've been out on him. And this year, he's he's really underperforming. He has a 5.88 ERA, but skill interactive ERA is at 3.46. He's His walks are way down. I mean, he's, he's walking under two per nine. So there's definitely some bad luck in play there for him. He's been hurt, so obviously trying to build up his innings, get back to normal. Hopefully he can turn it around. Yeah, if, if, if him and Giolito can turn it around, I think the White Sox got a chance to, to can, win can the I just Can I just say, did I hear a Sierra reference in there? Absolutely. Look at this guy. Let's go. <laughs> Zach, I mean, I think the question here really is, are you buying or selling, right? Because they're, they're such a weird team because of where the expectations are and where they're having or with the type of season that they're having right now. Are you buying on them or selling on them? Yeah, I'm going to go overall as a team. I'm going to sell. I think they, you know, they don't just inspire enough confidence in me as a team to, like, really make a push. Like, maybe they do win the division, but I think there's no way that they get out of a division series. I don't think that they're going to make a wild card spot if they don't win the division. So, overall, I'm going to sell. Yeah, I pretty much agree with that. I think if they do end up squeaking their way into the playoffs, they don't have much of a chance of going past the first round. I think, ultimately... Yeah, like they've struggled with injuries this year, but they also don't have the greatest depth. Like when guys don't go down, there's no one to really fill in to to ride the ship. And like we've mentioned, obviously the management isn't great, which which that's really important in playoff series. You have to have a good manager to make those correct decisions because that's 
when these teams are really close in the playoffs, that's what it boils down to at the end of the day. I don't know, man. You guys both, like, you're selling, but I I don't know. Like, the, again, it's just because that division is such a mess, I feel like I'm almost, like, 50-50 on it yeah. because it could kind of go either way with them. Like, would it really surprise you if, you know, August and September, are, you know, the the weather cools down and they heat up because maybe, like, a you know, a Yoan Moncada has found his groove again or, you know, Andrew Vaughn takes another step and he's even himself having a pretty nice season this year. There, There's a lot of kind of variance in terms of where the White Sox could go, at least in my eyes, I think. Yeah, there's there's a lot of pieces for sure. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if they, like, went on a run and made the playoffs. But even then, like, if they win the division and... I mean, you're not catching the Yankees or Astros, so you're not. Yeah, forget you're, that. You're, you're not doing that. So you're you're playing in the wild card round. So you're playing, you know, you're probably going to get the Mariners or the Rays or the, the Orioles or the Red Sox, like kind of one of those teams. And I, I think those are interesting series. Like the White Sox, if they get hot, they probably do win that realistically. But I, I, I don't think that's a slam dunk that it probably should be having the division winner with that much talent playing a, a third wildcard team that maybe sneaks their way in. Yeah, it's well, that's the issue, right? It isn't a slam dunk. And the way that this team was built, I think they were kind of hoping that they would be in that conversation as a... They should be. They should be. Yeah. They, there's so much talent there, right? Okay, let's move along now to the National League once again. And let's go over to the... Now NL Central leading St. Louis Cardinals. They've caught the Milwaukee Brewers, have leapfrogged them on the back of two guys in the MVP conversation. That would be Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. We talked Paul Goldschmidt pretty extensively a few weeks back during our awards picks, but we haven't talked as much Arenado, and I'm not sure how he snuck under the radar for me, but I didn't realize how insanely good a season he's having. He's actually, by uh, baseball reference war, having a better year than Paul Goldschmidt. Now, Goldschmidt obviously is hitting the absolute snot out of the baseball, but, I mean, Nolan Arenado, when it kind of looked like he was maybe trending in the wrong direction, has bounced back and had, I don't know, one of the best seasons of his career by the looks of it. Yeah, it's really interesting. He's a guy that I was definitely selling moving out of Coors, and it looked like he'd really regressed last season, but he's right back up to normal, outperforming his expected stats like he has throughout his career, and... He's a guy that, like, he is having an amazing offensive season, but he just has to be, like, he doesn't have to be the best offensive player in the league to be in that MVP conversation because he's that much of a difference maker defensively, right? Yeah, he's, I mean, probably been the best defender in Major League Baseball this season. Um, You know, one thing I didn't really notice with him is, like, he doesn't really strike out all that much, right? Like, he kind of, you think about him, like, I mean, he kind of always hasn't struck out that much, but, like, you think a guy getting older, he doesn't have a great chase rate, he doesn't walk a ton. You'd think he'd like strike out quite a bit, right? But he's been, you know, really good at like putting the ball in play this year and he hits it hard enough and has kind of made made the best of his situation in St. Louis. Yeah, he's I'm just looking at kind of even just the raw numbers now and like his walk to strikeout ratio is pretty nice as well. He's just generally having a really solid season. And I mean, Arnaud's always been a star, right? But definitely maybe not underappreciated, but certainly wasn't catching headlines in some respects because he's playing at Coors. And now he's going to have an opportunity by the looks of it, I, th- I think, in St. Louis to really, on the biggest stage, kind of elevate himself into that next tier of kind of faces of the game almost. And not to say that he wasn't 
a really exceptional player beforehand, but there was certainly a, a degree of kind of call it mystery, call it call it underappreciatedness while he was with the Rockies in you, my eyes. Yeah, you never know with some of these guys, honestly. Some of them leave Coors and they like they just completely turn into pumpkins. Troy Tulowitzki comes to mind. I mean and, and some of them leave and they're not quite the same guy, but they're still really, really good. Guys like Matt Holliday's a guy that I think of that's like that. But yeah, you mentioned baseball reference war. I'm looking at fangraphs war as well. Arenado is ahead of Goldschmidt by a decent like not a decent amount, but like a, a small margin. Mm-hmm. So that's that's definitely notable. I mean I I personally thought Goldschmidt was like he was a, a large favorite to win the MVP, but Arenado has had a crazy stretch as of late. Well, how he's I know he's like screaming hot, but I mean, he's like if he's going to continue to do this, is he well, can he pass Goldschmidt even as as we'll say the team's MVP because there's a couple of guys in that NL MVP mix, but as call it the MVP of the St. Louis Cardinals, can he be <laughs> that team's MVP? I mean, I'd, I'd say so. One thing that, uh, like, Arenado's done that uh, Goldschmidt hasn't really is he's kind of been a little bit better, like, on the road, too, where, you know, Goldschmidt has hit, like, most of his home runs at home and kind of, like, self-made the Cardinals' home ballpark a well, hitter's recall, park this year. I recall yeah. you, what was it, a couple, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago you, you mentioned to me that Paul Goldschmidt had single-handedly changed the park factors at the at Bush. Is it still Bush Stadium? It's still Bush Stadium, yeah. right? Like that's like insane, bananas. Just just looking at Arenado's uh, recent splits in his last month, OPS over one point one. He is on fuego in every every way, shape, and form. He's been unbelievable for them. Yeah, definitely. I I think he can win MVP. I think it'll kind of come down to you know, maybe see where they end up in the playoff race, if they can hold on to their lead and, you know, keep things, keep themselves in that conversation. I think that they're like a really, really good team overall. Like they added a couple pitchers at the deadline, but if they end up missing the playoffs, you know, again, again, we had this conversation. I hate to be like kind of the win narrative, like you got to be on a winning team to an MVP, but like if I'm assuming that if they don't make the playoffs, that those two guys struggle down the stretch. Yeah, that seems like would be the most logical thing that happens. So let's just get to the million-dollar question, of course. Zach, are you buying or selling on the St. Louis Cardinals? I'm buying. Jordan Montgomery looked great. Jose Quintana had a great start. And Arenado and Goldschmidt, you got two MVP candidates. How can you not buy that? Hard not to buy that. Jake, where's your head at? Um, I think overall, I don't know. I think I think there's a strong chance that the Cardinals could miss the playoffs this year. Honestly, I don't think the rotation is that strong. They made some solid ads, Montgomery and Quintana, but... They're not those really top of the rotation names that you're looking for. I think I think there's a chance that if, if they don't win the I think they're gonna have to win the division ultimately to make the playoffs. So I think if you buy them over Milwaukee, then you buy them as a playoff team basically. And I, and I think it's really close between them and, and Milwaukee. Yeah, they're they're that tight. Well, Zach, I mean you you mentioned it and before just before we move along, I mean Jake, you addressed the pitching there, and we didn't touch on the pitching too much, so we should probably address the elephant in the room. That is, they don't really have an ace. So even though they've made a couple nice ads at the deadline, Zach, does that concern you at all? I think their bullpen's been so good that it like kind of negates not having an ace, right? Like Helsley's been maybe the second best closer in baseball behind Diaz. He's maybe been better. Like he's been insane. Uh, Gallegos, Gallegos has been pretty good. He hasn't been kind of like the traditional guy that we are used to, but he, he's still been really good. Um, you know, some of the other guys that they got coming out of the pen, 
Jordan Hicks. And yeah, Jordan Hicks, sorry, player. like Zach Thompson. Like, those guys have, have been good. Like, they've, you know, been able to kind of piece together the end of games for them and pick up the slack for, you know, some of their rotation guys. Like, Wainwright and Michaelis have both been really good. I mean, sorry, real good, really good is maybe a bit of an over-exaggeration, but they've been good, <laughs> they've enough, been good to, enough. They've been good enough to get it to the pen and yeah. give give your your guys the, the end of games. There. Yeah, and I mean, that's all you can really ask. So let's now move right back along to the American League and look at the Minnesota Twins, who have uh, had their ups and downs, but at the moment look like they're, I'd say, the playoff team. I know that they're no longer the sole leader in the American League Central, but... Also, they have the star power to be a noisemaker at the most important times of the season. So, Jake, I want to ask you, who catches your eye on the Minnesota Twins? Um, I don't know if anybody specifically really catches my eye. I just think they're just they're just a really solid team overall who made really good moves at the deadline to fortify their roster, adding Tyler Malley, adding an all-star closer and Jorge Lopez to lock down that ninth inning. I really like the twins. They got some guys coming back from injury. Uh, Max Kepler, a really underrated player who's, who's back in the outfield for them. And the top four in their lineup looks great. Luis Arise leading the league in batting average. Correa and Buxton are both, both studs. And then Polanco is another really underrated player. Well, that discussion around Buxton, I think is a really interesting one because He's got that history of injury, so they have to be very kind of delicate with him. But he's still been really good for them. And I want to ask Zach, I guess I'll ask you, has Buxton been the player in your eyes that many had kind of hoped for following all these injuries? Um, I think it's interesting because he doesn't steal anymore, right? Like they they protect him so he doesn't steal. He's not really that five-tool guy, even though he has the tools. He hasn't been like allowed to play that way because yeah. they're trying to keep him safe. So... Like, the 27 home runs this year is crazy in, you know, as few at-bats as he's as he's had because they've kind of been, like, load-managing in a way. Exactly. But, you know, he's kind of a different player than I think that we expected when he was, you know, the number one prospect in baseball. But he's still been a really good player. I just think that it's maybe not exactly what he profiled as coming up. Yeah. Well, the defense, I mean, the defense is still outstanding. The, the speed, like he said, they've kind of had to turn the dial back. But that... 27 dingers is really remarkable. The the tops on the on the twins by a pretty healthy margin. Other guy in a totally different respect that's been really awesome for them is Luis Arias, who is the most not 2022 hitter maybe in the major leagues. He is the slappiest of slap guys. And I mean, just a kind of a fun dude to watch in my eyes. Yeah, Arias is he's been a huge surprise for them this year, honestly. I mean, he's a guy that got platooned a lot and he's just taken over that everyday leadoff spot and been he's been incredible for them he doesn't I don't yeah he doesn't he doesn't provide much defensively but a guy that can hit 330 at the top of the line I mean and it's not like he's not a legit 300 hitter like he's hit 300 every year in his big league career that's what he profiles as he doesn't strike out he walks at a decent clip he's just he's just really solid there's no other way to describe him he's like a unicorn in today's baseball exactly it's kind of the way that the league wants it to go right like ball (laughs) ball and play guys he's he doesn't swing and miss like he never swings and miss never strikes out ball and play you know he's not like a a stat cast god with his exit velocities or anything like that but i i think you know the way that mlb is trying to make the the game go they want these guys that are putting the ball in play like not striking out as much and he's kind of you know shown the value in that this season for the twins 
Rob Manfred just furiously researching how to clone Luis Araya, it seems like. Uh, and then the other guy, Carlos Correa, who you mentioned, uh, with a couple of opt-outs, especially this year, that is another storyline with them to keep an eye on as the season progresses because he's having a nice year. And I think by all accounts, he's enjoyed Minnesota, but kind of in line for a bit of a payday here if he continues to succeed. Yeah, I think it makes sense for him to opt out. He obviously, he's due to make a lot of money regardless, but it makes sense for him to try to lock down a long-term deal at this point in his career while he's playing this well. He's an incredible defender as well, him and Buxton up the middle. It's it's so solid for them. That's what teams have been emphasizing this year, as I mentioned. Uh, yeah, I think, I think ultimately he opts out. I don't think he's going to be a twin next year. And I think the twins will look elsewhere to replace him at shortstop somebody like like Dansby Swanson's a free agent I think that's an interesting that would make a lot of sense could be be a really strong shortstop class again again eh Turner Bogarts Swanson Correa like a lot of a lot of guys there that yeah could really change the fortunes of a franchise the other thing too is that Correa is still only 27 he's he's not exactly like an aging guy so just another kind of reason you think maybe he opts out but Clearly, this year been a, been a really important part of that Twinkies team. So the hitting, which we've touched on kind of at length here, clearly good enough to at least do some damage. The pitching is, I think, decidedly less, gives you a lot less confidence, shall we say. Sonny Gray's having a nice year, but battling some injuries. And then, of course, beyond him, you have some sort of guys. But again, it's it's a lot of question marks, I think, for their pitching. Yeah, ultimately, the way they built their roster, it's been a bit unfortunate losing guys like like Kenta Maeda. They picked up Chris Paddock. I, I don't know how good they expected Paddock to be, but <laughs> he had some potential, obviously, to be at least a solid back-end option for them. They're now relying on guys like Chris Archer, Dylan Bundy, unfortunately. But yeah, I think they're really similar to the Cardinals, honestly. They don't have that that one superstar ace or anything crazy like that, but some solid options. Gray picking up Mally at the deadline. Joe Ryan, another young guy. I think Ma- I thought Mally was a great ad, honestly, and I think he's a guy that they should probably look to to lock up long term and and fortify their rotation. They're just like the Cardinals, except they don't have two MVP candidates. <laughs> yeah, they, they, well, they they have two guys that that could perform like MVP candidates in Korea and Buxton, but obviously not they're, quite. They're, they're not. Year. Yeah, not quite this year. Not but quite. They, they have that probably. potential. But yeah, Zach, what do you think of their pitching? Yeah, kind of same thing, right? Like strong bullpen kind of helps out with that. I mean, the the adding. Lopez and Fulmer at the deadline is, you know, two really good ad f- ads for them to kind of go along with uh, Duran and uh, like Jarrell Cotton's been pretty good. Like watching them against the Jays this past week, I was maybe a little surprised at how competitive of a team they are. I just kind of thought they're, you know, the the AL Central placeholders. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, like they're they're just there because I everybody mean, else are has they, been so bad. Are, are they just kind of the placeholder team? I, I don't think so. I think. You know, you watch them a little bit more and they actually like compete. I was impressed by kind of how they competed with the Jays when I felt like maybe the twins were not as good as I know. I know I kind of what's the word I want to use here. I disrespected them maybe a little <laughs> last week by saying that teams would be tanking to get that third wild card spot to play them. And and they impressed me. I think that they're maybe a little bit more legit than I'd originally thought. Well, I mean, you can see like as we've gone over, the talent is clearly there. Again, it's just a matter of not having the the names the the store brand guys i mean that's kind of typical of most central teams you know the stars tend to kind of cluster along the coasts but 
I don't know. I mean, the Twins, in my eyes, I think, have the players to be one of the better teams in the Central. I mean, they're not, they're not on, they're just, just not in the same category as someone like the Astros or someone like the Yankees. It's just a matter of fact, right? So I don't know. I don't know. Well, Jake, well, what do you want to jump in with it? Uh, yeah, like, like you said, I think it's just a different tier. Ultimately, I don't really think this is the year for the Twins. I think they have so many young guys that are coming up and they have a bright future. They have guys like like Lewis, Royce Lewis, who got hurt. Alex Kirloff has a ton of potential still. Jose Miranda is having a pretty solid year, but he's a guy that could even take a step forward in the coming years. So. Does uh, does Austin Martin still count? <laughs> uh, probably not, <laughs> I'd, I'd say. <laughs> He's, I guess he has some potential. We'll see. <laughs> so let's go right to the buy and sell. Zach, where are you on the Twinkies? I'm going to go buy. I think they're going to win the division. You think they got it? You yeah. think they can still do it? Yeah. And uh, Jake, where are you at? I agree. I think they are going to win the division. I think it's, yeah, like I said, it's a very similar situation to the Cardinals. They're probably going to have to win the division. The Central is not the strongest. So, But yeah, ultimately, I think they, they are going to beat the White Sox and win the division. So we've talked about a couple teams in the mix for the division already in the Central, and we'll stick with that Central. It seems like all the, all the teams that are really in the mushy middle are maybe just Central teams. Let's go along to the Milwaukee Brewers. Corbin Burns and the Milwaukee Brewers. That team is, you know, same as it ever was. They have a ton of spectacular pitching, and their hitting is, like, led by Rowdy Telez. So it's almost like the opposite of the two teams we've just discussed, where the pitching is such a exceptional highlight of their team and the the hitting is what might ultimately hold them back so jake i want to start with you i think we can kind of just get right into it and then maybe go from there are you buying or selling on the milwaukee brewers yeah i'm i'd say i'm selling them making it past like the first round of any playoff series they just don't have the offense to do it it's a bunch of guys that are lower like guys on teams that you think should be playoff teams that are probably lower in the order guys. Ultimately, Christian Yelich just not performing how he has in the past makes this offense just so much weaker. He's been leading off for them. He's been a solid player, but they just they they need somebody like really top of the order in the, in that lineup and they just don't have it unfortunately. So Zach Jake's not a fan. Are you a fan of them? I feel like we're not uh we're not uh, disagreeing enough today but I you know I I actually don't think that they're going to make the playoffs I think the Cardinals just have too much talent to really lose that spot and the Brewers you know like you're trading away talent at the deadline I know it's only like a game separating them and the Brewers pitching staff is obviously really good and can win them games but I just I just don't feel the same way about the Brewers going forward I think losing a guy like Hater, which obviously impacted their clubhouse like there was a lot of you know, unhappy comments coming out of there yeah, after that. Yeah, we heard a lot about them being really kind of cheesed at it. Yeah, so I mean, I don't think that you can do that to your clubhouse and then expect them to really push and get better. So, like, they had a, a good first half, and I, I, I just don't see them being able to kind of keep going up, whereas the Cardinals, I think they're going to kind of snowball here and eventually win the division. I mean, the team literally had to release a statement basically apologizing to the fans. They're like, sorry, we promise that this isn't us being like, that's not, if if the fans need a statement, surely on the inside of the clubhouse, the attitudes can't be particularly happy dealing with a guy like Josh Hader. Yeah, who is, who is that statement really for? Like the clubhouse or the fans? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not ideal. By, by any stretch of the imagination, right? I don't know. The 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 Brewers, 
because their pitching is so good, I I mean, I have a tough time. Obviously, they're a game out right now as of recording. Their pitching is good. Like, it's really good. You've got Corbin Burns. You've got Aaron Ashby had a nice breakout. Freddie Peralta's healthy again. Uh, Brandon Woodruff is, yeah, like, he's Brandon Woodruff. He's still really awesome. Yeah, like, they're, they've got a lot of really talented pitching. And even though they're kind of struggling at the moment, maybe, that rotation surely is good enough to make the playoffs. And if you do play in the playoffs, how are you going to match up with on your, th- you know, game three, they're throwing Freddie Peralta at you, right? I think that yeah. it's just too good to miss the playoffs. And of course, you know, Yelich is long gone over the days of his MVP, you know, seasons. But even, you know, besides him, they, they've, I mean, I joked about it earlier, but Roddy Telez is hitting nicely for them. Malia Damas is is still a piece. He's not, I, I think it was early, I don't recall if it was early this season or if it was early last season, but I remember he was really screaming hot, and he's not quite that yeah. exceptional, exceptional, exceptional player that he kind of flashed, but again, just... I mean, with, with them too, like one thing, the Cardinals have the second easiest schedule remaining of all teams, and the Brewers have the 11th most difficult schedule remaining so yeah. i think that their schedule down the stretch is going to really hurt them they've got the dodgers a bunch um obviously they're they're gonna have to play the cardinals a few times so i, I really think that that's maybe where it comes down to is kind of their schedule and and how it help or helps or hurts them well I, you know i wonder and jake i'll kind of get your input on this what if the dodgers are like locked in by the beginning of september and they're just trotting out like backups because they don't have any reason not to, right? Like, is that something that's a plausibility as well with that strength of schedule? That's definitely plausible. That's something that the Dodgers frequently do. They have those those phantom those famous phantom IL stints where they just <laughs> they, yeah they 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 roll up not great lineups just because they can. They know they're gonna win the division, and it's honestly smart. They want to rest their guys for the playoffs, have everybody healthy because that's what matters in October. Yeah. The teams that are the most healthy make it the deepest, and that's the issue for Milwaukee. I think if they have one of those big three pitchers go down, I just like they they basically have no shot, right? Yeah. So you know, I didn't even mention Devin Williams, who's like awesome as well, right? Yeah. It's just their pitching is so good that I'm. I mean, you guys are both kind of selling on them. It there's it how I don't understand how you can sell on a team with the with the just just cacophony of arms that these guys have. Yeah, you, you can talk yourself into the Brewers for sure. I mean, they have Aaron Ashby too, who's been their fifth starter, but you get to the playoffs, you move a guy like him who has nasty stuff to the bullpen, a lefty. I mean, yeah, like they have a great bullpen as well. They lost Hater, but they still got Taylor Rogers back, who's an awesome pitcher still. I mean, you can talk yourself into the Brewers, but ultimately I just I just don't think they they have the offense to do it. That's that's basically what it boils down to for me. I'm out. I'm selling. Out. Selling. You're just selling. You just don't have to. You, you just can't. You can't. I just I, to do like. It. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. There's their schedule can concerns me. You know, you you for them they got seven against the Dodgers, seven against the Cardinals, three against the Mets, three against the Yankees. That's like that's that's tough. That's tough. That's going to be really that tough. tough. So I I just think that they're not going to end up making the playoffs. It, it like yeah, it's an uphill climb, but it, it's an uphill climb, right? But I, I and and they're just a game out, so it's it's not like the end of the world the schedule so i mean a game out now is okay but in like two weeks time like a game or two out in like two weeks is already like panic button territory yeah. so i do see where you guys are kind of coming from with that but 
I just I really struggle to count them out because of how good their pitching has been. Let's move right along once again, and let's go back to the American League Central. It's just I think we should call this episode the Central episode at this rate, honestly. Uh, Cleveland Guardians have somehow found themselves back in first place in the American League Central. They were hot, and then they were extremely not, and the All-Star game has come and passed, and they are hot once again. Uh, Stephen Kwan is hitting for them again. Jose Ramirez remains Jose Ramirez. Andres Jimenez has had an exceptional season for them, and it's already like almost the end of the season. That looks like it's for real. They're a good team. I mean, any way you kind of slice it, right? Yeah, I, th- I think they're really similar to the Orioles, honestly. A-, a good team, just not a great team. They're a team that's performing well right now, but ultimately I just don't really think it's sustainable. And I don't think they think it's sustainable either because they didn't buy at the deadline. The Orioles sold at the deadline, so very similar situations. But yeah, ultimately I just, they have some nice pieces. Like the, like the Orioles, they have a really good bullpen as well, but ultimately I just don't think they have the overall roster construction to make it work long-term. But I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, they're uh, they're not exactly an old team. No one, no one in their starting lineups over thirty. Jose Ramirez is the oldest at twenty nine. Or excuse me, Austin Hedges is also twenty nine. But I mean, it's Jose Ramirez. Like, he's gonna be good well into his thirties. And their pitching is not exactly old either, right? Like, they're Shane Bieber's maybe in his late twenties. Christian McKenzie's still a young guy. Like, they have a lot of youth there. This, to me, is a team that kind of screams we're ahead of schedule, even if they kind of, over the winter, were like, we're blowing it up, right? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to judge the teams that come in and, like, are ahead of schedule, like you said. They didn't expect to win this much, I'm sure. So, you know, like, they, they have a nice rotation. They have a nice lineup. They kind of kind of do it differently than everybody else, you know. Like they don't really have those a ton of uh, big power guys. Like I mean, Naylor, fourteen home runs. Jimenez is twelve. J Ram is twelve. Or sorry, twenty one. But I mean, those are the only guys with ten or more. Like they're a big, you know, put the ball in play. Stephen Kwan, obviously, he's the king of that. Yeah, exactly. So they're putting the ball in play. They're you know putting pressure on teams, and I think it's it's a different strategy for sure. And to, to go along with the rotation, which is you know maybe overperformed a little bit this year with uh, McKenzie and Quantrill being better than you know the the stats might suggest so it's going to be interesting to see how they how they fare down the stretch i i don't really know how to value this team and see where they you know stack up amongst the contenders obviously they're not in the upper echelon and i don't think that they're they're obviously not as talented as the white Sox or the twins but they you know they're right there tied for first it's tough to say what they're gonna look like a month from now I, yeah, I guess I see. I guess I see it. I mean, just because, like, Quan's a great example of a guy that got really hot and then was really not, and has turned it on again, right? I don't know the the Guardians. I mean, as is the case with most of these teams, it's it is a bit of a coin flip here. I think at present time, they're yeah, they're. I mean, they're at forty eight percent to make the playoffs according to Baseball Reference, so they're. A team that has it in them, but also they don't inspire confidence in the same way that a see that a team in a similar position like the Brewers that is kind of right on the precipice sort of thing. Because 
I just don't know that they have outside of Ramirez guys that I necessarily trust. Yeah, I mean, forty eight percent. So obviously there is there's there's somewhat of a chance there's they could fl- have a fluky couple months play really well make the playoffs but i don't know like ultimately i'm just not buying they they have some interesting pieces sorry steven kwan is kind of like their their luisa rise at the, the top of the rotation he's a young guy who who's a really solid ball player he's an underrated guy but yeah there's other than the other than ramirez there's there's just no one that you're super super excited about yeah i mean jimenez has been good they their bullpen has been really good. Like, I mean, Class A, Karen Jack has looked really good since he's come up. Obviously, we won't get to see him this weekend, but that's a, that's a different conversation. <laughs> personal, the personal decisions. <laughs> uh, Trevor Steffen has been really good. Nick Sandlin has been really good out of the pen. So kind of the same same conversation that we had earlier with the teams with kind of those in-between rotations, except for they actually do have that ace with Bieber. So I, I think that, yeah, maybe there is a little bit better chance that if they – you know, if the offense kind of keeps performing, that they can lean on that pen and that rotation a little bit down the stretch. All right, and let's go with one last team here. I'm sure, listeners, you've all been waiting for this one. The I can't believe I said that in the year 2022. The Baltimore Orioles are shocking the baseball world and are slowly but surely getting into the mix for that wild card spot. They are just a half a game out. At the time of recording, it's it's crazy to say that. Even hearing myself say that, I don't know if I believe myself. Adley Rutschman has completely changed the complexion of that team. He's been unbelievable post-All-Star break. The team has been remarkable post-All-Star break. And I think of all the teams we've really discussed, this is the one that could really kind of go either way. Zach, are you buying or selling what's happening in Maryland? I'm going to go buy just as a fun team that maybe doesn't make the playoffs. <laughs> I'm I'm buying them as a team that we can not lock in as a playoff team, but I think they're going to be fun down the stretch. They have 24 games remaining against the Blue Jays and Red Sox. Wow. So that's those 24 games are probably going to decide how they, you know, end up doing if they make the playoffs or not or you know, if you if, I mean, if they beat the Blue Jays like 10, that's their 10 of those 13 times, that's then yeah. Right there. So it's uh, it'll be interesting to see, the, you know, if the Red Sox kind of tailspin, then they can take advantage of that. If the Blue Jays get really hot, then, you know, it'd be tough for the Orioles. But I think I think they are going to kind of stay in the mix. They might not, you know, they'll probably, I, I think they won't make the playoffs, but they'll probably finish like, you know, within four or five games of that last wildcard spot. So they'll, they'll carry it down the stretch. They're going to get be, uh, they're going to be right in the mix. Uh, there's, there's really no question about that, which is, I mean, again, just remarkable to say Cedric Mullins has been really great for them as well. He deserves a shout out for sure. Not quite the remarkable season he had last year, but I mean, again, one of their best players and, and just overall, it's just kind of a ragtag group of guys. They literally trade away Trey Mancini at the deadline and they go ahead and start winning games anyways. Right. It's, it's exactly what you They're said, Zach. It's 23 fun. and 8 since July 3rd. Un- like, that's wild. Wow. <laughs> that's, that is just like unfathomable and good for them, honestly, right? Like, they endure all these seasons of losing and they're finally coming out and there's finally some light at the end of the tunnel. It's, it's like good. It's, it's good for baseball, really, is the best way to put it. Yeah. R- Roof Netodor absolutely killing the Jays, too, <laughs> last night. Yeah. I, I guess they're a fun team. I mean, I wonder if they regret selling at the deadline. Honestly, they, they sell a guy like Jorge Lopez who had two more years of control and they're a team with a bright future, a ton of 
really great prospects, some young guys that are up right now performing well. I mean, Adley's in his first year, but he's already in that conversation for being a top five catcher, which is pretty crazy to think about. So. He, he's he got a lot of, I mean, it's the easy comp because they're both first overall picks, but that Joe Maurer comparison, yep. it's so easy to make because of how good he's been in his rookie season. He's 60 games in, and he already, to the fact you can bring that up and be like, oh, he might be one of the best catchers in the, ba- in the major leagues, it's wild. Yep. It's just wild. Striking out 16.7% as a rookie, walking 13.6%. Playing incredible defense, he's a switch hitter, and it's probably only up for, from here, right? It, I mean, it really is such a valuable asset for them to have. The yeah. uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just gonna say, I think that the Lopez thing is interesting because it's kind of similar to when they were like coming up in the early 2010s, right? Like they moved Koji Uehara in 2011 for Chris Davis and Tommy Hunter, who ended up being like key pieces, right? Yeah, and they probably exactly. traded him before they really needed to. So I think it's it's an interesting comparison because, you know, obviously your window isn't this year. So moving a guy like Lopez to get some some good pieces now when in two years you're going to have to pay him anyways. And that's kind of going to be your window. And he's probably, you know, relievers are so volatile anyways yeah. that I actually think that a move like that, you know, it, it, it sucks for fans and the message and like you're trading away an all-star. But I, I do think that that trade really, you know, is, is a good process by this team who is winning but probably isn't going to be a playoff team yeah which is i mean ultimately a fair take uh i mean even outside of lopez their their pen has been like really good i mean felix batista has been been really good as well like they're you just kind of look at the at their just the raw numbers like they're yeah they're having a good year just kind of through and through and it's i mean i'm I'm almost like at a loss for words, right? It's it's just it's it's really awesome to see. And they if they make the playoffs, they don't make the playoffs. It just kind of it it's a I don't know. It's a story, and it's just really great to kind of see. I mean, beyond that, to me, if they are a playoff team, I think that just makes things. It kind of elevates things. But if you're an Orioles fan, this season is a success, and it's not even the middle of August, right? Yeah, bright, bright future ahead for the Orioles for sure. They got Gunnar Henderson, Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, lots. Yeah, they, they just picked up Jackson Holiday in the draft. So, yeah, lots of a bright future for them for sure. Yeah, just, just a ton to love. All right, so that's going to do it for us. We've hit our time. Thank you very much for listening. We want to thank you very much. Thank you. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the463pod. Be sure to also subscribe on Apple Music, and we will catch you next week.